Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. I bet you didn't expect to hear from me today. But we had some technical issues yesterday, and even though the show eventually got posted, I felt bad. And so I wanted to make it up to you. And as you guys know, some pretty big things happened yesterday. I picked up a couple new commitments. KJ Costello, not a huge surprise. But man, what great news. What great news for Mississippi State fans. I'm going to talk about KJ a lot today. Talk a little bit about Kyle Cass and kind of give you guys one final look at what I expect to happen tomorrow. I don't know when this show gets up. I don't know when you have a chance to listen to it, but this is a bonus show. I'll be back tomorrow on Wednesday to recap what happened in Lexington tonight. Not going to spend a lot of time talking basketball. I want to talk about KJ Costello. I want to talk about what this means for Mississippi State, what it means for Mike Leach, because to be honest with you, Mike Leach, as prolific as he has been as a play caller in his career, has not had a quarterback like this as a head football coach. He just hasn't. K.J. Costello, better than Cliff Kingsbury, better than Graham Harrell, better than all the guys he's had in Washington State. Probably, I would say, the best quarterback prospect since he had Tim Couch at Kentucky. That's how big it is. So now you have a true bona fide NFL prospect to come in and play quarterback. This is a guy, too, that would be, he'd be preparing for the draft right now if he had not been injured this year. So let's get into all of that. Let's break down KJ. We're going we're gonna to go back. We're going to go back, and I'm going to tell you everything that, that's out there about KJ Costello, and then uh, you can feel somewhat educated and then be able to, uh, to share some of this with your friends at the water cooler. Because let me go ahead and share this with you now. There are a lot of people around the Southeastern Conference that are a little bit shaky headed today. Like, well, you know, we were kind of counting that W against Mississippi State, and and now they're going to bring in that three-three-five crazy blitz scheme defense. They're going to bring in that stupid air raid, and now they've got an NFL prospect, a quarterback. 
man, I don't know if we wanted that to happen. So as great as things are for us, it's making some other people kind of think, man, something's happening down there in Starkville. I sure was hoping they'd hang on to Joe Moorhead for another year. And you know what? I think Joe probably could have put together a pretty decent team this year, but I don't know that we'd have anywhere near the same ex exuberance we have right now when it comes to Mississippi State sports. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company for their longtime sponsorship of the Boneyard. I know that you guys are uh, lovers of the great restaurant-quality hamburger, and that's what you'll get right there at Bulldog Burger Company. Let me encourage you to go by and find your own favorites. I'm still on the Lauren train. I, every once in a while, I'll get the Bryant. But the old favorite for me is the Pimentology Ad Bacon. You should try it. I, I mean, I, I'm not a dinner on the grounds, pimento and cheese guy, but I like that Pimentology hamburger. I really do. And the spring rolls are the best appetizer in Starkville proper. You can go by and have those yourself. It'll make you and everybody around you better looking, and we all need more of that. Bulldog Burger Company now with two locations to serve you on University Drive here in Starkville and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's jump into this. The first thing, right out of the gate, just so you guys know the trivia question, what does the KJ stand for, right? <laughs> that stands for Kevin Jr. KJ Costello, uh, the son of uh, Kevin and Annette Costello. So Kevin Richard Costello got KJ. So... Uh, that's where we are with him. He's born in Newport Beach, California. Got a, got a couple sisters. And I understand from his Stanford bio that he's a big ping pong player. Interesting. So he uh, played his high school ball at Santa, Margar Santa Margarita Catholic School. Played uh, football, basketball, did a little bit of everything. He was a five-star by prep star. And that's... And that's um, that's Allen Service out there. Been around forever and a day. It's based out of California. And then a four-star by Scout Rivals, 247 and ESPN. And there's only one of those that matters now. It's 247. He was considered the 19th best recruit in the country by ESPN. 19th. He was the nation's second best pro-style quarterback, according to ESPN Rivals. California's second best recruit, regardless of position by ESPN, and number three by PrepStar. He was a U.S. Army All-American, an Elite 11 finalist. He's an All-Stater throughout his career, holds 19 high school passing records, broke Carson Palmer's school record with 8,222 career passing records, 62 touchdowns, ran for 19 more, and he was an also a 4.0 student. Everybody in that neck of the woods recruited K.J. Costello. Let's run down some of these offers for you. Obviously, Stanford offered. He had offer from Alabama, Arizona, Arizona State, Boise State, Cal, Florida, Florida State, Miami, Michigan, Oregon State, Tennessee, Texas A&M, UCLA, USC, Virginia, and many, many others. This is a highly heralded quarterback prospect. He picks Stanford, decides to stay cl closer to home, closer to family there in the Silicon Valley. Red-shirted in 2016. Took a year to kind of get better. 2017 begins to kind of see some success. That 2017 season for Stanford, they're 9-5. and five. 
They go nine and five. They take down Rice. They lose to SC. Lose at San Diego State. Take down UCLA there in Stanford. Beat Arizona State. Win at Utah. Win Oregon. Just beat Oregon to death, 49-7. They squeak one out at Oregon State, 15-14. Lose at Washington State to Mike Leach, 24-21. They beat Washington, 30-22. Take down Cal. Beat Notre Dame in Stanford's uh, home stadium, 38-20. And then they play for the Pac-12 football championship against USC in his redshirt freshman year. And they lose 31-28. Ended up going playing Alamo Bowl, losing TCU. But you're a play away there from being a Pac-12 champion your very first year as a starter. David Shaw, one of the better coaches in America. A lot of people will tell you, you know, he's the coach's coach. He's got some difficult things to deal with there at Stanford. You know, among the nation's most stringent academic requirements to get into school there. You know, that they will not accept your commitment as a player until you've been admitted to the school. So they'll offer you a scholarship, and then you've got to go through the admissions process and all that. So if you're going to go to Stanford, you got to really want to go to Stanford. It's not as simple as, okay, I'll just go ahead and verbally commit. There's a process. That's one of the reasons Stanford keeps a lot of their commitments. There's an investment involved there, investment of your time, everything else. So in that 2017 year, K.J. is a Pac-12 all-academic honorable mention, started seven games, 1,573 yards, 14 touchdowns against four interceptions, and won some big ball games. And again, this is a part-time starter. Played in 11 games, started seven. But by the end of the year, he was the guy. There was no question that he was the guy. You know, looking at his numbers here, you know, perhaps his uh, biggest ball game was that game against Washington. 16 of 27, 59% completion ratio, 211. Didn't throw a touchdown, but that was a big win. They go win that ball game. It was huge. He also lit up Notre Dame 14 of 22, 63%, 176 yards, four touchdowns. And he beat Notre Dame. Played in that Pac-12 championship game too. Didn't have a great day that day, but still took a couple touchdowns. And again, you're a play away. And remember, this is a freshman. It's a freshman year. You're a play away from winning the Pac-12. You're a play away from being in a New Year's Six bowl game in just the first year. 2018 rolls around. Pardon me. Yeah, 2018. That's his, uh, his junior year. Let me run down this for you here real quick, just because I think it's important. Obviously, he was a team captain. All Pac-12, second team, you, in, in case you've forgotten, you know who the All Pac-12 first team guy was? It's Gardner Minshew. Started all 13 games, finished 269 of 413 passing, 65% for 3,540 yards and 29 touchdowns, second most passing yards in school history, second most 300 passing yards in school history, seven, third most passing touchdowns in a season in school history, third most yards of total offense in a season in school history. You can run all down the list. But the bottom line was he had a huge and prolific redshirt sophomore year. He was a junior in the classroom and a redshirt sophomore on the field. 
This is a guy that was capable of doing some pretty major things. So you get into 2018, and you begin to look at the schedule. You begin to think, okay, there are a lot of people around that would love to have a quarterback like this, especially coming off a year when you, you had a chance to win you know, the Pac-12. Expectations were high, and for the most part, they hit them. They get the revenge win by beating San Diego State. They take down USC. They beat UC Davis. They win at Oregon in overtime. They're 4 0. And then they travel to Notre Dame. They lose in South Bend. Then the next week, they, they lose to Utah in Stanford, 40 21. That's probably the defining ball game in the season. They rebound and go win at Arizona State. They lose to Wazoo again. I'm sure that's something Mike Leach and, uh, and KJ will talk about. Then they lose at Washington. They beat Oregon State. They take down UCLA. They win against Cal. And then they win the Sun Bowl against Pitt, 14-13. Finish the year with a 9-4 year. 9-4 record. And this is in a pro-style run-heavy offense. You know, this is not, you know, he's not throwing the air rate. He's not throwing 35, 40 times a game. It's a much more balanced scheme than what he's going to see at Mississippi State. He's going to have an opportunity uh, to throw the football around a ton next year, without question. So 2019, KJ, uh, team captain again, played in just five games. 102 of 167 passing for just over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. Passed for 199 yards and touchdown against Central Florida to, to make to move to ninth all-time in Stanford history. But it was a season that was up and down. He had a head injury, kept him out of some ball games, battles back, gets a chance to play again, and then uh, you know has the thumb injury. And those are the things you look at here. He just played, uh, just running down the, this ball game here for you. That he played against Northwestern, Central Florida, Oregon, Arizona, and Colorado. So you win the Northwestern game, as expected. Doesn't play again. So you play against Central Florida. Lose that ball game 45-27. I'm sure the, the Central Florida fans were absolutely insufferable after that ball game. Played against Oregon, didn't have a big ball game either in that game. You lose that game 21 to 6. Out again for a few weeks, comes back against Arizona. That's a win, 41 31. Big ball game for Arizona, for Stanford. Probably the best game, without a doubt, the best game of the year for KJ. 31 or 44, 70.5% completion percentage, 322 yards, three touchdowns. Even caught a pass. <laughs> Big win. Then he's out again, then he's back against uh, Colorado. And obviously that's uh, an important ball game in your season. You're trying to stay in the bowl chase, you lose 16-13. And then after that, you didn't see him the rest of the year. And they actually end the season on a four-game losing streak. Lose at Washington State, lose to Cal, and lose against Notre Dame. But Mills and Costello both 
were banged up last year. So it was a long year for Stanford. I mean, it really was. And that's a proud program, you know. Then all of a sudden, KJ Costello likes to enter the transfer portal. And there's been a lot of discussion about that. And, and if you follow this situation at all, you know, Stanford had over a dozen players enter the transfer portal, and many of them fifth-year seniors. Uh, matter of fact, Michael Williams was a defensive defensive lineman there, starting defensive lineman. And uh, this is one of the things that he said, too, that he was – you know, people talk about, you know, grad school. I mean, they've already earned their undergraduate degree, and he described as getting into grad school at Stanford is nearly impossible. So he's, he visited with David Shaw, and David Shaw told him this. Speaking of Shaw, he wants us to make the best decision for ourselves. He wants us to make the best decision. I appreciate him for that. He actually told me, visit anywhere you want. Do anything you want to do. Just make the best decision for you. If Stanford's the best decision for you, then I know you'll come. But the bottom line is, is that in order to play that fifth year, you've got to be able to, to, to get in school and stay in school. One of the things that we have read uh, since this whole thing began is that Stanford fans have said, you know what, it's, a, it's one of those things. They wish that the university was more of a willing partner when it came to athletics. But when it comes to an institution uh, like Stanford, you know, they're going to put academics above athletics every single time. They're not going to compromise what they have going on. You know, but we're all kind of getting used to this transfer portal. It's a different day and time. It's, it's a different deal. And as a result, you know, there's going to be some changes every year. There's going to be some people that leave your team and people that join your team every year that you're not expecting. Adds a little bit of excitement and some intrigue. It's almost like a free agency in some respects. But to that point, I don't think we'll ever have wholesale free agency like some people have said. You know, I think, as a matter of fact, you're going to see uh, the model, the NCAA model, go more towards what football has been rather than the other way around. There have been some non-revenue producing sports where you don't have to satisfy the residency requirement. But I think what you're going to see now, kind of going forward to remove a potential conflict of interest, is everybody's going to have to have that residency requirement deal. Another thing, too, that I think it's worth discussing today is there are some people out there right out of the gate that are automatically skeptical about K.J. Costello and say, well, you know, listen, we, we tried this last year with Tommy Stevens and it blew up in our face. Well, the first thing that I'll tell you about that is, is that nobody could ever expect the injury situation. Nobody knew that Tommy Stevens was made of glass. God bless the kid. You know, but he was banged up all year long, had a shoulder injury, an ankle injury, a wrist injury, a rib injury. He was beat up. He's injury prone his whole career. But K.J. Costello is not Tommy Stevens. While their circumstances may be similar on how they got to Mississippi State, K.J. Costello can't be held accountable for anything Tommy Stevens did or didn't do. So just because things didn't go as well as hoped with Tommy Stevens, doesn't mean that things won't be even better than with K.J. Costello. There is this segment of the fan base. There is this dark cloud mentality that some people have that I, I, I get so sick of. It's like we go out and we get Mike Leach, one of the most prolific offensive minds the game has ever seen. And the first thing that some of our fans say is, well, then we'll work in the SEC not knowing that it's already worked in the SEC when Mike Leach was at, was at Kentucky. Well, then we say, well, it won't work unless we go get a, a great defensive coordinator. 
And then there's some names out there initially that most people have never heard of. And then we don't get those guys and people are thinking, oh, the sky is falling. We go out and get Zach Arnett, who, is, who, who might, or might be the best fit we could have possibly gotten uh, as far as scheme and passion. And then we get through all that and thinking, okay, well, well, Garrett Schrader can't run this scheme, which I don't, I don't know what you base that on. You've never seen him try to run it. Garrett Schrader was a pass first quarterback in high school. I think Garrett Schrader has the physical skill to play in this offense, probably needs a year or possibly a year and a half to get up to speed. But I think Garrett Schrader's fully capable of this. But so just to, to give Garrett some room to breathe and to grow and to heal and to develop, we go out and go get a grad transfer quarterback. And then right out of the gate, people are thinking, well, you know, this is the wrong move. I'm, I'm going to say something here, and it might step on a few toes, and I'm okay with that. We're not going to teach Mike Leach anything about coaching football. We're not going to have him come to Starkville and do things the Mississippi State way. We're going to hand him the keys to the car and say, go win us the race, coach. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to bring him here and hamstring him and say, well, you got to keep this coach and you got to do that. And you got you can't use this. And you got to do that. Go recruit this kid. And hey, this kid's from Starkville High School. You got to go sign him. I mean, forget the fact there's somebody better a state away. We got to go get these kids because we're used to cheering for them. And I like their family. And so I want them to be Bulldogs, not because they're good, not because of the fact that, uh, you know, uh, we think they're the best man for the job. It's just because it's convenient and comfortable for us. Well, prepare to get uncomfortable. Prepare to get uncomfortable because we're going to be doing things a little bit different. And we need to do things a little bit different. You know, that's the thing. When, when Joe Moorhead got here, we all were like, you know what? Dan Mullen had probably taken us as far as he could take us. I've said on this show and others, Dan Mullen's ceiling at Mississippi State was not Starkville, wasn't the fact that we didn't have a Dippin' Dots or a Bebop record shop or anything like that. It was the fact that Dan Mullen was not fully committed to recruiting. Dan did not make those guys recruit, but Dan was such a great football coach, he could take some guys, some above average to good players, and make them great once they got here. But in order for us to get to Atlanta and to beat Alabama and to contend for the SEC West on a regular basis, we were going to have to recruit at a level that Dan simply couldn't do. And Joe gets here and says, you know what, we're going to go from good to great. And Joe worked much harder at recruiting than Dan did. Joe held those guys accountable. I think as a staff, they recruited much, much more, with much more fervor than most of Mullen's staff did. We had some great recruiters here under Dan. We did at times, but there wasn't, a lot, wasn't enough of them. And Joe came in and, and you know, you know, had a lot to say, had more to say than he did to do. And then he had some bad, some things not go his direction. And so he was going to come in here and, and revolutionize and innovate our offense and, and uh, you know, make us different. And he did make us different, but in a lot, a lot of the wrong ways. And so we want to be what Dan Mullen was, but better. And, and it's amazing the revisionist history we have with all of that. You know, we had a lot of six and six, seven type five wins type seasons with Dan Mullen. People forget that. People for, think that we were in New Year's Six every year. We weren't. But in order for us to take the next step, we've got to do some things that are going to be a little bit difficult for us, a little bit inconvenient at times. We're going to have some players quit in the spring. You might as well go ahead and get ready for that. There are going to be some names you know. And they're going to quit the football team. They're going to move on, and, you're going, and people are going to think, man, the sky is falling. Why did we go hire this guy? Well, we hired him to go take us somewhere we've never been before. 
you know, I don't know if most of you guys that listen to these shows, many of you are probably too young to remember. In 1998, we played for an SEC championship against the University of Tennessee. We should have won the football game. We didn't. But it whet our appetite to think of what could be at Mississippi State. We had a really good chance of repeating as SEC West champions in 99. And we blew it. Well, we had a chance. But we were competing at a very high level. 2000, we were in, in, the, in the mix again. If you go back and look at the numbers, 97, 98, 99, and 2000, State was very much in the, in the, the SEC West championship race. In 97, we're 7-2, and two, controlling our own destiny. Just got to go beat a better Arkansas team and win the Egg Bowl. We're going to be in Atlanta for the first time in 97. People forget that. We lose those last two ball games, end up out of the bowl picture. But that four-year run there made us think, you know what? Why not us? So now we go out and get a sitting Power Five head football coach who's been to 16 bowl games in 18 years. And I know this is not the politically correct thing to say, and I'm going to say it anyway, but we're a better football program than Washington State. Got a lot more advantages than Washington State. Washington State might be the worst job in the Power Five, and, and, and I say that with as much respect as I can, but there are, are obviously some disadvantages to coaching at Washington State. But yet Mike Leach went up there and won and ushered in a great era of football at Washington State. He made Washington State relevant in national football. Now, I don't know what they're going to have going forward. You know, it's one of those things, maybe you've captured light in the bottle. But Mike Leach is no longer there. He's in Starkville. A lot of discussion this past week about um, Washington and K.J. Costello. And one of the things that I have found, and, and, I, and I'll share this, and I don't, want to, I don't want to be hypercritical of anybody, but I'm going to say what I want to say. There are some people within the media that they are, without doubt, confident in what they're reporting until somebody else reports something different. And then they kind of lose confidence in what they've reported. I am not one of those people. If things change, I'll tell you things are changing. But when all of this Washington discussion kind of popped up, you know, there were some people thinking, oh, yeah, he's going to go to Washington. Okay, well, then then I began to kind of get very inquisitive and began to ask questions. And some of these people making these, well, where are you hearing this from? Well, that's just what I'm hearing. Well, I mean, you don't have to give me a source, but can you at least, can you kind of clarify what you're hearing? Kind of give me an idea of where you're hearing it from without mentioning a name. Well, I talked to a guy that talked to a guy. And so the more of those people that I talked to, the more that I realized those people didn't know any more than I did. In fact, they knew less than I knew. But there is still this perceived bias when it comes to Mississippi State. The bottom line was they didn't have a source. They just thought in their minds it made more sense for K.J. Costello to stay on the West Coast in the Pac-12 and go to Washington. It wasn't their reporting. It was their opinion. And so as I began to kind of dive into some of this stuff and be able to ask questions, the, the more that I talked, the more I realized we're getting this kid. There was still a battle going on. But K.J. Costello wanted to come to Mississippi State. 
KJ Costello wanted to play for Mike Leach. And of course, I talked to Brandon Huffman, my longtime friend. I love Brandon. He's like family to me. Brandon lost a, uh, a daughter to DIPG. And uh, I proudly wear my Avery Strong shirt in her honor. And uh, I want to thank the Bulldog fans a few years ago that contributed to that. But Brandon is the guy on the West Coast. And so whenever there's anything going on, especially with the California kid, I reach out to Brandon. And so I, I talked to Brandon at length many times about KJ and about, you know, the, you know, he said, listen, don't believe any of these media reports about KJ. Because KJ's not talking to anybody. His dad's not talking to anybody. He said, so these people that are getting that out there, they're getting that second, third, and fourth hand. He goes, so don't buy into any of that stuff. KJ will make his own decision. And so that gave me some confidence, too, because, again, you know, the more you talk to people, the more you realize that they, they don't really know any more than you do. And then, you know, Tom Loy is a guy that uh, covers Notre Dame for the network, and he put a crystal ball in for Washington. And then people are like, oh, well, who is this guy? Well, and and I'll, I'll tell you why I did not panic. And this is no disrespect intended to Tom Loy. I know Tom does a great job for the network. Tom wasn't connected to the kid. Tom doesn't cover Washington. Tom doesn't cover K.J. Costello. And again, Tom's offering his opinion based on something he'd heard. You know, he's making a prediction based on something that he's heard. We all do that to a certain respect. The difference is I don't, I don't offer predictions on my crystal ball unless it's a kid that I've dealt with, unless I have some intimate knowledge of what's going on. I, I don't just go around just, you know, willy-nilly throwing out crystal balls. I'm the original crystal baller before they had all this stuff. And so I never changed my crystal ball. Paul Jones didn't either. And that's one of the things that uh, we kept reminding people when people were kind of panicking a little bit and said, you know, we, we're not making the change because we still believe in what we're hearing. And now KJ Costello is your quarterback in Mississippi State. I'll remind you guys too, Hawthorne.co, new sponsors of the show, very happy with them. Uh, everything that I have done with them, I'm very impressed. They even emailed me to ask me, Hey, how are things going? What do you think about your product? I, I love it. I, I do. I can't every day when I get up, it's one of the first things that I do is I go put on a, my Hawthorne deodorant and put on some cologne and, and I'm ready to go face the day. One of the things that I've shared with you that, that's so unique about Hawthorne.co, and that's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O, is you can go take a quiz about your own preferences. You know, this is what I want in a deodorant. This is what I want in a body wash. This is what I want in a shampoo and conditioner. This is what's important to me. And then they'll ask you some other questions about things you like to eat, things you like to drink, because that kind of gives them an idea of what your preferences are and what would work well with your chemistry. Because there's no guide out there to tell you how to buy cologne. We just kind of go buy what we think girls like. And so go take that test. You're going to be amazed at what they send you. Everybody that I know, Boneyard listeners, I've had a handful of them that have said, Steve, I got my product and you're right. It's great. And I, and I, would, not, I would not take on an advertiser. I didn't believe in. I've tried the products. I wear them every day. I absolutely love it. And ladies, Valentine's Day is coming up. Go take the quiz for your man or maybe uh, you know, ask him those questions discreetly and get him some new cologne on the way. You're going to be amazed at how well you smell. By being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's Boneyard, B-O-N-E-Y-R-D. That gets you 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's Hawthorne.co. Give him a shot. You'll be glad you did. So late yesterday evening, we had another com another commitment for the 2020 signing class. That's Kyle Cass out of uh, Mississippi Delta Community College. Not unexpected in the least after speaking to him 
following his official visit, I knew that it was done. It was just a matter of time. You could just kind of tell. You can tell in the way that he talked about Mississippi State, about Mike Leach. Not to mention you look at his offer sheet, State's the only Power 5 offer that he's got. And so the first thing people ask me is say, hey, Steve, you know, how do you feel about the kid? I'll tell you, watching this film, I feel pretty good about him. But, but all that said, you know, we have a need here. We have a real need here at uh, safety. So we needed to go get an older safety. We've, went, we've, we've got one. He'll go ahead and sign on Wednesday. But, uh, you know, I, I think not addressing that need would be a bigger concern than taking a guy like this. And, and it is a bit of a gamble. But I'll tell you, he is a tremendous athlete. He was an All-State player out of Mountie Bond High School in Alabama. Uh, had a good year this past year at Mississippi Delta Community College. And so he has the raw materials to be very good. I wish he would be here for the spring. He won't be. But he'll be here for spring workout, I mean, for summer workouts. And I'm confident that he will go out there and add some com- competitive juice to that secondary. As I said on yesterday's show, they told him he has a chance to be one of the five best defensive backs on the team. And when you look at our numbers, that makes sense. But Kyle went ahead and committed, and then we'll see what happens the remainder of today. Jamari Stewart has let it be known that he plans to announce this evening. I fully expect that to be Mississippi State. Very, very intriguing prospect. And then that, that leads you into tomorrow. You know, So what should we expect tomorrow? Khalil Benson tells me last night, I saw an offensive lineman out of South Haven. He shared with me that, that he had already notified the coaches of both programs where he would be going to school and that he would be making a formal announcement on Wednesday. I fully expect that to be Mississippi State. That said, I know that Indiana's not going away. Indiana and Mississippi State both trying to get him in the boat. On top of that, I know that Dylan Spencer from Madison Central committed to Missouri. Mississippi State's still recruiting him. I still expect him to sign on Missouri, but stranger things have happened. You know, So if things go to script on Wednesday, K.J. Costello will sign with Mississippi State. Scott Lashley will sign with Mississippi State. That'll be your two grad transfers. Kyle Cass, junior college prospect, will sign with Mississippi State. Then you add Jamari Stewart. You add Khalil Benson. You add Rufus Harvey. And then there you go. And you, then you, you're done for February. And you're still oversigned a bit. So you Because, you, again, you know there are going to be some guys that are going to leave in spring. This is part of the deal. Anytime that you have a dramatic change in culture, there's going to be people that kind of bucket a little bit and decide this isn't for them. We won't take that personal. We're trying to go win football games. And so I'm going to remind you guys, tomorrow's signing day show, we're going to wait till all the dust is settled. We don't know right now what the plans are for uh, visiting with Mike Leach. We don't know any of that. But once everything is done and everything is signed off on tomorrow, we will uh, have a show here. And I'll get that out to you. And then we'll also recap uh, what happened on Tuesday night as Mississippi State will take on Kentucky tonight. Now, we had our women's basketball game last night. I don't know if you're aware of this. Mississippi State is a national power in women's basketball. While many of you were sleeping, we became one of the best teams in all college basketball. Mississippi State 20-3 and overall, now 8-1 after a, uh, you know, a bit of a grinder last night against Georgia. I never felt like State was in trouble. You know, we were down 15-11, I guess, after one. We really took took charge in that second quarter, but it was a very physical game, very physical on both sides, and it always tends to be that way. But uh, Gabby Connolly, starting point guard for Georgia, ended up having to leave the arena and go to the Octavia County Hospital to be stitched up and there were X-rays and 
and it was just one of those things. It was a collision, two players, her and uh, <clears throat> Jordan Danbury, both uh, fighting for a loose ball, and uh, just one of those things that happens. And so get, with Gabby Connolly out, Georgia really struggled offensively, really struggled to be able to uh, to handle the basketball. We have 25 turnovers uh, on the night, and you know, to be fair, Gabby Connolly already had four before she left, which was a team high. But it, it really got them out of sorts. Maya, Maya Caldwell, uh, one of their better players, too, she scored 12 points, but uh, she struggled with fouls last night, too. And to be fair, I think it was a little bit of sympathy. There were a couple times that uh, she fouled players, neither it wasn't called or it was given to somebody else. She probably should have fouled out of the ballgame. But Mississippi State had a big night with Rakia Jackson. Big night with Rakia Jackson. Again, she's looking more and more comfortable. 24 points in 38 minutes of action, 8 or 16 from the field. And she missed, I think she missed her first four shots or four of her first five and missed some bunnies. Eight of ten from the line, pulls down two rebounds. And that was the one thing that Big Schaefer kind of emphasized in, in postgame is that we need Rakia Jackson to be more of a factor on the glass. And that's really a part of her game that you think should come in time because she is very long. She's going to be able to add some weight and be a very physical player. But when State needs a basket, Rakia Jackson can get one for us. Very reminiscent of Victoria Bivians in that respect is that we can call her number late and she will deliver. Jessica Carter told us in postgame she didn't feel like she played well, but she still had 15 points and 11 rebounds. Three of six from the free throw line, just six of 13 from the field. She did miss some bunnies, and that was the thing early on. State was get, was getting good looks, but not knocking down shots early. Just didn't think that we played our best, but we still played well enough to win. Chloe Bibby, uh, nine points on the night. Still pretty active, you know, with her out there trying to make some things happen. But uh, she just doesn't seem right to me. I don't know what's going on with her, but she just doesn't seem to be right. 17 minutes, she starts in and out of the lineup. Maya Taylor, I thought, played pretty good last night. Still running the offense, doing a good job uh, with all of that. Jordan Danbury hands out five assists to herself in 28 minutes of action. But we get a little deeper in the bench. Zaria Wiggins getting some of those Chloe Bibby minutes. 23 minutes, uh, five points, hit a big three. Uh, Jemiah Mingo Young, did not a great night for her, but she did get out there and play a little bit late, uh, just a couple points there. But it was not a great night offensively for anybody. State 25 of 63 from the floor, and it was ugly in the first the first half. We did not shoot the ball well. Shot it oh, better than 50% uh, in the second half. Back to that, that first quarter, we talked about how bad the shooting was. Uh, State 21% in the first quarter. And then you get a little bit better and you shoot 38% and then 55 and then 50. So, and give Georgia some credit too for coming out with some energy on defense early on. They didn't show Mississippi State any respects. They'd had to go win that, for, take that from them. And again, Georgia led 15-11, but that 23-10 second quarter for the Bulldogs, really a big difference in things. And in that third quarter, State puts the game away. But a 22-13 third quarter, it just seemed like it was real academic at that point. Ladies will be back in action Thursday night as they travel to Knoxville. Our colleague Robbie Falk will be there covering the game for us. Happy to hear that Robbie's on the road, doing a great job covering women's hoops. He's out there making things happen for us. So he will be there in Knoxville. That is a huge game for Mississippi State. Tennessee right there with Mississippi State in the SEC standings. Uh, I believe this Tennessee team, because of their length, could be a real problem from for State on the inside. You're going to have to run a lot of that dribble drive stuff. You're going to have to run people off and get Rakia Jackson and Jordan Danbury some looks going to the basket. But it's going to be interesting. 
This is two teams that are very, very different. Tennessee is resurgent. They have uh, you know, made the coaching changes you guys are well aware of. Uh, they're playing pretty good basketball. So we're going to have to go out there and play one of our better games of the year. My hope is that we have learned a lot since that, that game uh, at South Carolina. We've proven that we can go in and compete in a hostile environment, and we will not see a more hostile environment than we saw at Colonial Life Arena in Columbia, South Carolina. That, that, that's the bottom line. That, 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 that's a group of folks that do not like Mississippi State and want to beat Mississippi State as bad as anybody. Tennessee's expected to, to kind of get back in the thick of things. They'd love to be able to take their uh, what they feel is their rightful place is the, the queens of women's college basketball. I just don't think that's going to happen. It's a different day and time. We're going to play that game tomorrow, uh, Thursday night at 530 and then turn around and have to play again at home against Texas A&M. So it's going to be a very, very eventful stretch here for State. If you get through this next couple ball games, you feel like, you know what, you've got a chance to win out in the regular season. You just need South Carolina to slip up somewhere. Our good friends at Campus Bookmark, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, they will take care of you there. They'll treat you like family because in their minds you are family. Many of you bought your textbooks at Campus Bookmark when you were students here. Now you go buy an outfit, your family, your home, your RV, your office, your camper, everything you've got. If you're looking for Mississippi State merchandise, you can find it at Campus Bookmark. If you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Barnyard listener, we'll give you a phrase at page. You see, you, you don't just listen to the show for the information, but you, you get some cash savings. Promo code BSR. Go to campusbookmark.net. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. And anytime we can save shipping and save anything, that's good for us. So, again, that's campusbookmark.net. Go by and let them know that, uh, that I sent you. So, let's uh, let's finish up here with this. You know, we talked a little bit about baseball. And, again, I'm, I'm going to be back tomorrow, and we're going you know, to recap Tuesday night. We'll do signing day. Once we get into Friday, I'm going to go ahead and start breaking down the SEC. I'm going to start talking about what's coming back for baseball because it's going to be here before we know it. I mean, we're, we're basically we're 10 days away, 10 days away from first pitch. I absolutely cannot wait. So we'll start Friday kind of previewing the Mississippi State team. And then next week we'll get into we'll, – we'll have a segment one day on the SEC East and we'll have a segment on the SEC West. But this is going to be a great Mississippi State team. We've got a chance to have a great season. You guys should come out and be a part of that. And we've sold out season tickets again. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible the way people support college baseball here. And we are going to be rewarded with a national championship sooner rather than later. I, honestly, I feel like that we're closer to it than at any point in our history. I really do. I think we're, with the level that we're recruiting and the commitment the administration has made to Mississippi State baseball, we have never had more advantages than we do now. You know, for years and years, we heard about all the lucky day stuff. We heard about, you know, the Hope Scholarship and Tops and all that kind of stuff. We didn't have any of that stuff. Now we're, we've got some advantages that make Mississippi State a really cool place to come play baseball. It's always been great, but it's never been greater than it is right now. So I'm excited to be a part of that. Excited to get back out there. And, and I've, I've told people many days that there is nowhere I would rather be than a duty noble field watching Mississippi State play baseball. You know, I, I go to a lot of concerts and I tell people all the time, sometimes I feel, when I go to I go to a rock show, I feel like I'm reconnecting with the tribe. You know, it's just like plugging back into the mothership. It's a reminder of why you work so hard and put up with all the things you do. 
And sometimes I have to schedule myself a little fun. We get to do a fun job. We really do. But it's, uh, there are times that it's very, very taxing. And the best part of this job is when we get a chance to get out there and spend some time and just kind of kick back and watch Mississippi State play baseball. But to me, there is nothing better than that. That is one of the best things in, in my life. Outside of watching my children excel, watching Mississippi State play baseball is great. And one of those things, too, and I've shared this with you guys before, and I don't want to get all misty-eyed and all that sort of stuff either, but, uh, you know, my dad used to bring me to games up here. We, didn't, we, we, we saw a lot of games in Jackson, but occasionally we'd get to make a game up here, and it was always such a big deal. It was always such a big deal. My dad would, would pack the car, and we would make a trip to start, whether it be to watch baseball or, or to watch football. But I remember those times watching Mississippi State baseball. Those, for some reason, they mean a little more to me, I guess, because baseball is so much more conversational. You know, like in football, something happens, you know, 25 seconds later, we're going to run the play. And when you play college baseball, sometimes it's kind of, it's made for father and son conversation. And so I encourage you, pack the kids, bring the car. Because uh, there are so many times I'll, I'll leave Duty Noble Field and I'll make that turn. And, and I think I cannot believe, I can't believe this is our place. You know, it's like I, I think about all the great things and you know, the players that have come before and the great legacy that we have. And I think, you know, this is, this is the culmination of a lot of people's dreams here at Mississippi State. And I'll make that turn between the hump and Dirty Noble Field. And sometimes I, I feel like I can hear my dad. I feel, like, I, I feel like that he's there. And so I know many of you feel the same way that I do. Maybe you've had parents or friends or or loved ones, or a favorite uncle, or a grandfather that have passed on, and, and I, you know, I, I'm maybe it's maybe I'm being a little bit Pollyannish here, but I, I believe when we go to the Duty Noble Field and we celebrate Mississippi State that they're represented there. I think they're there. I, I really do. I, I think that's one of the greatest places in the in the in, in all of the earth. And so when I go there, I feel like I'm reconnecting with my past, and uh, also to looking forward to a uh, to a Diamond Dog future. And so. Uh, let's come out and make some memories together and uh, and really have a great spring because I think it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful season. Remind you, if you hadn't done so, go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com and order about 25 books today. If you order through the website, you can get them personalized. They have me sign books two or three times a week. My next signing will be in person will be Thursday, this Thursday, in Brookhaven at the Lincoln County Library. That will run from 4 to 6, I believe is correct. And then uh, next week on Tuesday, I'll be at the Trendy House in Houston, Mississippi uh, for an event there. So we'll keep you apprised of all of that. Look forward to seeing so many great Bulldog fans out there. It's been so wonderful. It really, really has. And uh, so many people that will show up wearing a Stark Villain shirt. You can get yours at StarkVillains.com. The, 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 the fine folks at Deep South Cop Marketing handle that aspect of all this for me. But uh, it has been so wonderful, and I've already begun to do interviews for the, for Stark Villains, too, and I, and I can't wait to get that out. It's one of those things that people always say, or do, people close to me say, do you really want to write another book this year? And the answer to that question is yes, because I'm having so much fun telling the Mississippi State story. And it's been so great to go out and see so many of these uh, silver-haired dogs and people that uh, – you know, that live through many of these adventures and say, you know what, Steve, thanks for capturing that story and documenting that, you know, for the future. I really enjoyed that. I was in school when that happened. But the better part of it is when I have some 19-year-old sorority girl walk up to me at a basketball game and say, hey, I just finished your book. I just finished Stark Villains. And I never knew all those things about Mississippi State. And that means more to me than I can ever fully express to all of you. It has been a wonderful, wonderful experience. 
And so when you ask me, do I really want to take on write another book this year? Why would I deny myself any of that? Why would I deny myself the joy that all of that brings that you all bring me? Because I have had some really low moments in my life, as you guys, I'm sure, can attest. You've had those as well. So I think we need as much happiness as we can muster. And so writing these books makes me happy. Seeing you all enjoy these books make me happy. Uh, you know, one of the heroes of uh, Chapter 2 is a guy named Skeeter Edwards out of Leland, Mississippi. God rest his soul. But recently, I got a chance to sign books for his family, for his children. And uh, those things are important to me. You know, when I hear those people say, you know what, thanks for telling my dad's story. Thanks for capturing that. Thanks for documenting that and honoring our father. And uh, those things are important to me because there are some things you can't put a price tag on. There are some things that a paycheck can't pay for. You know what I'm saying? And so one of those is the nostalgia and the respect that goes along with that, because we have not been properly represented in Mississippi's literary history. And you know, here's the thing, okay? I've sold a ton of books. Between Flim Flam and Stark Villains, it's been very, very successful. I'm very, very grateful. But you know what? I'm not going to win awards. There's always going to be some people out there, not even in, in the Mississippi literary community, that, that are never going to let Steve Robertson win anything. And you know what? That's okay. I'm not writing books for them. Uh, Stark Villains has been on the bestseller list, peaked at number two, but it's, and, and I hate that it hadn't been number one, but it is what it is. But Stark Villains uh, has been on the bestseller list now for three months, continuously for three months. Those are the things that excite me, not because of what Steve Robertson has done, but because people care about Mississippi State. They care about learning and knowing more about Mississippi State. And, you know, when I wrote Flim Flam, I always had a few people, some critics or some people out there just tagging, you know, you messed up this, you should have done that. You should, I would have done it this way. I haven't had near about near near that kind of controversy this time. I hadn't had as many critics, uh, you know, with Stark Villains, because I think it's more of a good news story. But I enjoyed writing both books. and I'm looking forward to the next one and the next one and the next one. I'm, I'm going to stack these books up on you pretty quick here because I have such I get such joy from talking to our Mississippi State heroes and hearing them talk about what you all and what Mississippi State means to them and about their relationship with the fan base. And those kind of things are, are so incredibly important. And so we're going to continue to do that. We're going to make sure that we, uh, we document as many of these stores as we possibly can, because I think it's important that Mississippi State have their due in the literary community. And I've had some other people say, well, I've heard so-and-so might write a book and you might write a book. And you know what? The more Mississippi State books, the better. You know, that's the way that I look at it. But I plan to, to spend the balance of my life writing about these things and others. And so my hope is that you will continue to enjoy them. So if, if you're thinking that Steve Robertson's going to take some time off, you're, you're kidding yourself. I'm going to strike while the iron is hot. Well, that's going to do it. I'll be back tomorrow. So you're going to get, uh, I guess, four boneyards this week. But again, I just felt so bad yesterday with all the delays and everything that went along with with yesterday. I wanted to get another show out for you guys. So no charge. Enjoy this free of charge. And, uh, you know, we even get some free, some more uh, additional reads for our advertisers at no charge to them either. I just felt like we needed to do this today because I really believe that K. Joe Costello signing with Mississippi State is a very significant moment not just in this recruiting class, but really in our tenure and our era here with Mike Leach. We're getting a chance now to kind of get a running start into the Mike Leach era, and I think that's really cool, and we needed to spend some time to talk about it. 
So until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.